Welcome in everyone to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peach, joined today with Nathan Reddy. Nathan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, especially after that nice Illinois victory, which I did not expect to see. I completely agree. I went on the radio a couple days before and predicted a 37-20 to 20 loss. I thought Nebraska was going to show up a little bit more than that. I've really never been happier to have been wrong for Illinois football, to be honest with you. I This is probably the first time where... I didn't quote-unquote drink the Kool-Aid for Mm -hmm. Illinois football. It's a bit of a low bar, though. Week one against a struggling Nebraska. Exactly. I mean, you know, you think about it is, like, in full terms, like, Illinois brings in a better staff with the same players that beat a Nebraska team pretty handily last year, right? It was at Nebraska, Mm -hmm. and I know there were no fans. And Scott Frost in Nebraska pretty much criticized, you know, everything and anything that makes them – makes them quote-unquote lose, but yeah, no, I thought that they were going to lose. I thought Nebraska, all the metrics on them being the 32nd best team or whatever were true, and I'm not going to call Illinois a top 30 team, but yeah, like I said, never been a, never been happier to be wrong about Illinois football. Yeah, and it's it was a very surprising game too because Brandon Peters goes out. You think, sure, he wasn't great last year, but who's the backup at this point? Because we know Isaiah Williams moves over wide receivers so I don't know about you but I was really concerned at that point yeah so we can obviously start with um the quarterback play, which is what exactly what I was just about to say BP goes out about what was it midway through the four, uh, first quarter mm-hmm. he gets sacked twice whether you think he should have thrown it away or not whatever probably gets hit either way yeah and the second one he doesn't get up and then eventually he kind of gets up okay he goes out and then you see him leave with a cart Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a towel over his head. I thought it might have been a concussion at first. Thank God it's not. It's just a left shoulder injury. But yeah, Art Sikowski comes in and his you know his career at Rutgers, he has eight touchdowns, 20 interceptions, and four of those one game came against Illinois two years ago, mm-hmm. where at least one of them was a pick six. So I, for one, was extremely worried when he came in. Yeah, I was too. I mean, his track record is not good. I saw all over the internet just his... His freshman year stat line, which is shocking, it's four TDs and 18 interceptions, which I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. But he played great. Like his QBR in 95, that's on a 100-point scale, is really, really good. Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal. I mean, he only threw 15 passes, 12 of them were completions, Mm -hmm. uh, 124 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, but the very first pass he threw – did get picked off, but he kind of got bailed out with yeah. the passer penalty. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, you know, if that if the OLB for Nebraska doesn't make that dumb mistake and we can get the penalties later for Nebraska, Illinois doesn't win that game. I mean, that would have been a huge momentum changer. I believe it was 9-2 at that point, and Nebraska just scored. So that's a huge momentum changer because Illinois goes down, gets their first points, and it was crucial because the Illini offense was really struggling. They couldn't really get much going in the pass game, and the run game wasn't very consistent, especially with Mike Epstein trying to break through, but he kept getting tackled for losses. Then they finally got into their offense. The run game, which was really the basis for their offense, I mean, they ran it 48 times. Like, that should tell you something in and of itself, was good, and it was a game manager-type performance from Sikowski, but that was all they needed. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And especially with the run games to add on, Chase Brown had limited carries. He was limited to five, actually. and He was productive. I mean, he averaged 4.8 yards a carry. But between Epstein trying, you know, he hasn't, he didn't practice the full time, him trying to break out of a little slump. And then Reggie Love is an experienced thing. Same thing with Shakari Norwood and Chase Hayden. So you, you see Sikowski coming in here who's kind of experienced. The experience he has is not very good. Mm-hmm. His total QBR in Rutgers was very, very low. But then you're right, he actually got stuff going. I think they ran the ball like the first seven times or times he snapped the ball was a run. Then he passes it, interception, bailed out yeah. from the passer penalty, and then hey, you got on the you got on the field and score once, you end up getting the Calvin Hart uh, scoop and score, and then again in the third quarter, fourteen more points, Art Sikowski led drives. So it sounds like he's gonna be the quarterback next week, and obviously we'll talk about um, next week a little later, but so shocked with Art Sikowski, Big Ten uh, Offensive Player of the Week, by the way. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, obviously it's because there's only one game happening, so it's yeah, basically, one, so. <laughs> yeah, it's the best player from this game, uh, which I think is fair. I mean, Mike Epstein was great. He like, was. He struggled a lot early, but if you've seen Mike Epstein play, like, he's a big play player. I mean, that's what he does at running back. Reggie Love was nice. I was pleasantly surprised. He wasn't fantastic. I totally but agree. Pleasantly he, surprised. He kept getting positive yardage. Chase Brown, though, you brought it up earlier. It was really interesting because Chase Brown was phenomenal last year. He was arguably the best Illinois offensive player last year. 100%. And five touches was not what I expected. Well, you you figure out later he was on limited snaps because he was hurt. But Mm -hmm. at first it was definitely weird to see Reggie Love and Mike Epstein go out there before Chase Brown was weird. Luckily, like I said, Bielema ended up clearing that up and being like, oh, yeah, he had an aggravated something. I don't want to botch it, shoulder or knee or something. But he said he will be good for next week, so that's good. But for for having Chase Brown, who, like you said, last year was arguably, probably the best offensive player, only get five touches, that is encouraging for this team. Yeah, and it's nice that some of the complimentary pieces really picked up Deuce Span. Mm-hmm. The great 45-yard catch. Didn't yeah. He only had one catch, but hey, it was a meaningful one. And it was essentially a scoring play because they you you got two yards away, and then you're just finishing it, finishing off the drive. What I really loved to see though was how Isaiah Williams and Luke Ford were used because Luke Ford, I mean, okay, only three catches, but he had some big plays, and specifically the touchdown, which was really important. Then Isaiah Williams. It looked like they were really trying to funnel him the ball, which is something I love to see because he's an insanely great athlete. For a little bit of context, Luke Ford was a four-star, right? Yeah. Borderline five-star going into Georgia. And then Isaiah came to Illinois for the sole reason that he could play quarterback, but he was getting recruited by Alabama, Auburn, anywhere he wanted to go as a five-star receiver. Mm-hmm. So you think now, okay, in the receiving game, you have a five-star in Isaiah and a four- or five-star in Luke Ford. What a radical idea, Nathan, to put those two, specifically Luke Ford, in the offense. Luke Ford it's crazy. goes all last year without getting a catch, and everyone's like, what is going on? Yeah. And now he comes in, he has the first catch of the game. He only had 30 yards and three receptions, but like you said, it was very productive, and the touchdown was awesome. And he's exactly what this team needs. It's a lot of smaller receivers. So Luke Ford, much bigger target, especially down the seams and in the middle. He's a big body, and you want to get him the ball. Isaiah, how fun is he to watch a receiver? I was I was not very I, 
I was not very optimistic about him this year playing receiver because, I, one, I was a little biased, and I loved him in that Rutgers game last year oh, where he played too. quarterback because mm-hmm. it felt like the modern QB, sort of the Kyler Murray-type quarterback that maybe he could be in. Maybe you become one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten because of it. But obviously this is the right move because this is how he makes the NFL. And if you just watch him in open space, it's it's a thing of beauty. And, I mean, he had that one juke where he ended up getting in the end zone. wasn't a touchdown because he mm-hmm. stepped out of bounds. But that in itself just shows you. I mean, this is this guy's first game. You can show how much the offense wants to use him. And he's, what, he's only practiced at receiver for a couple months. And yeah. he already had the most target, the most receptions. The second most yards, only more person with more yards than him was Deuce Spam because yeah. of the bomb. So... Super, super productive. When he scored a touchdown, you could see just how happy he was. I know his family was raving after the game with how happy they think everything's going. Honestly, credit to Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema for, you know, talking to him and being like, hey, listen, I know you came to Illinois because we're the only place that wanted you to play quarterback. And, yeah, BP is a super senior. But, like, if you go to, you know, receiver, that could get us to win one, two, three, even four more games. And I don't think Illinois wins if without Isaiah receiver on Saturday. I really don't. Yeah, and I don't think they've talked about this, but maybe there is sort of like an under-the-table agreement where it's like, hey, play receiver for this year, and maybe we'll start to mm-hmm. look at the future. Because, I mean, if you look at teams like Houston, who have done that historically in the past, where they put backup quarterbacks that are really athletic at wide receivers so they could kind of get used to the offense. It's true. It's May- true. Maybe. I like that, though. They also just they really wanted to get him the ball. Eight touches, two runs. They were getting those jet sweeps involved. I- I'm... I'm glad that Illinois decided let's just not be a boring offense where we're just run, 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 and then out out routes and like slants and easy throws, and we're trying to change it up with reverses and play action passes, bootlegs. Like it's it's a little bit different than we've seen in the past, partially because of personnel though. Of course, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, these guys have come in and they've ran a Rod Smith offense. I'm not even gonna say Lovey because Lovey yeah. had nothing to do with the offense, which is pretty pathetic. But then Tony Peterson comes in, and that's for me the one spot when this new staff got hired is what I was most skeptical of. I thought that Tony Peterson was the most eh, hire for mm-hmm. me, where I felt pretty good about everyone else. And I know it's only been one game, and in reality, Nebraska is not that good. Their defense yeah. is probably a little better than their offense, but still, it doesn't mean much. But yeah, we saw. We, I mean, I mean, Rod Smith kind of tried to run like a pro style offense, which just wouldn't work. Depending on if Isaiah was in, depending on you know if Brandon was in, and they changed it up a little bit when Artsikowski came in, but they pretty much stuck to their game plan, executed, used your weapons, and that's all you can really ask for. I mean, I'm impressed that Epstein, Love, Brown, and Jakari Norwood got carries. You used yeah. pretty much the whole room. Chase Hayden, sure, mm-hmm. he he's a couple year guy down the line for. Rushing and then the receiving game, I mean, Span, Williams, Ford, Navarro, Washington, Norwood, and Epstein all got receptions. The one guy that's missing there is Daniel Barker. It's kind of weird that he didn't get a touch. Yeah. But using all your weapons is impressive. I was kind of thinking Casey Washington would be a little bit more involved. Two catches, 13 yards, not the biggest stamp on the game. But, I mean, they were spreading the ball around. Like, exactly. you, you look through it, other than Isaiah Williams, no one had more than three catches. Nope. So it's all one catch, two catch, et cetera. I I like that they committed to the run, though, mm-hmm. and it felt like a Brett Bielema game where it was rely on your running backs, rely on your offensive line, similar to a page that he took out of his Wisconsin playbook. 
and then your defense will hold up. And it held up for about two and a half quarters, and then it was once it became 30-9, to they kind of took their foot off the gas a little, but still Nebraska wasn't really able to get a ton of momentum. I agree with you. I think that the defense was phenomenal for the first, like you said, two and a half quarters, and now... Did they probably fall off a little bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you, you know, take a step back and not not necessarily a prevent offense. It's not like a Lovey Smith 2009 yeah. prevent offense. But, like, in a way it is. You know, you start running the ball. So the defense pretty much gets right back on the field. So if you're going to allow some points, it's okay. I mean, in retrospect, they only allowed 22 points the whole game. So and I was impressed. To put that into context, one of them was just a 75-yard run by Adrian Martinez, which... I mean, that, that's probably the one thing I really didn't understand with the game plan was the QB spy didn't really seem to no. come into effect. Like, I, I know Jake Hansen's more than just someone who's going to be a QB spy, but that would have been a great situation to put him in because Adrian Martinez, even when he wasn't uh, scrambling and running for the ball, he was creating more time in the pocket, and he was really – putting you putting the defense off their foot and it was just making them uncomfortable yeah i mean the dude had 111 rushing yards yeah like he he definitely is capable of that and if you think you know two years ago to what was probably illinois most anticipated game of the year that night game against nebraska mm-hmm. that they ultimately lost and they lost 45 to 41 because i'm pretty sure martinez had like 400 something on purpose yards like it was crazy so i think that they could have done a little bit better with the QB spy on him. The 75-yard run was not good. I don't like that at all. But despite that, they made him work for his yards because they passed the ball 32 times, only 16 completions. Like, the DB surprisingly had a good game. That's a group that I'm super, super worried about. But yesterday, led by Devon Witherspoon, they seemed okay. Yeah, and it wasn't a lovey-type defensive performance, too, where... Play cover two, and you rely on turnovers. Only one turnover for each team, mm-hmm. so it was a fairly clean game. Both of them were fumbles, too. Yeah, both like, of them were fumbles. Yeah. I mean, there was the pick that got pulled back, but you go through the stats. Like Adrian Martinez wasn't super comfortable throughout the game. 16 for 32, 50% completion percentage against, as you said, a questionable secondary. That's a good sign, especially since Martinez – wasn't there last year when Illinois steamrolled Nebraska, but was two years ago and was the main reason why Nebraska came from behind and beat Illinois because he just wouldn't be stopped in that game. Yes, he gets 230 passing yards. Yes, he gets hundred over 110 pass uh, rushing yards, but you still got to feel pretty good. His QBR is 52.2. Yeah. That's nothing to go crazy about. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. You're facing a dynamic quarterback like that, and let's be honest, I mean, who does well in college football? Yeah, dual track quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, people like that. I remember uh, Braxton Miller for Ohio State, who would never make it in the NFL, was awesome. So Mm -hmm. going against someone like that is tough, and considering Illinois is not supposed to see a a quarterback like that for a while, if not the rest of the season, that's a very good sign. But the people we have to credit with putting pressure on Martinez, Keith Randolph Jr. had an amazing game. Mm -hmm. Owen Carney had a great game. Rod Perry was good. I mean, even Hanson was able to get in there a little bit. like the, And then Isaiah Gay, too. the guy, And then Seth Coleman, the guys that moved from D-line to offensive linebacker, and you're kind of like, whoa, what is Ryan Walters and Brett Bielema thinking here? And those are the three guys putting the most pressure on the quarterback. So, Five sacks. Mm-hmm. Five different guys. Yep. That's a good, good stat to look at because you're getting pressure from everywhere. And, yeah, you might expect Owen Carney Jr. to get a lot of pressure. He didn't have a sack, though. It was 
a lot of just him bringing pressure and other guys finishing off, and you saw it with, as I said, five different players with sacks, and you got a lot of QB hurries. It was, yeah, a great day for the D-line, but also we do have to credit the secondary because they were really good overall. They didn't allow too many big plays, aside from, obviously, the Adrian Martinez run, but... I just I felt I feel good coming out of this game about the defense because I I wasn't positive that they'd have a big impact this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Let's think about big plays for Nebraska. You have the seventy-five yard run, which, like I said, Bielema said that's a good coaching moment for him. Same thing with Walters. Hopefully, it won't happen again. I remember there was a second and twenty-six earlier in the game that they completed. That ball I think went over either Sidney Brown or Tony Adams, and then you had another ball in the second quarter that was a perfect throw and a perfect catch mm-hmm. from, I think it was Martinez to Oliver Martin. That's my guess on who it yeah, was. That, but that was like a catch. perfectly executed play. Besides that, I'm pretty sure they did not have a gain over 15 yards. And that is very encouraging for guys like Devon Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, Tony Adams. Guys that just really need to step up this year if Illinois wants to be good. They had three plays over 20 yards, but that was it. And Really, a lot of the those came later in the game, too, when they started to get a little bit more chunk plays. But from the first quarter to the third quarter, you felt very good about what Illinois was doing against Nebraska on defense because it always felt like Nebraska was just going to pull away, especially early. And then Illinois did it. And it was a bit of a surprise, and a good surprise that came about I think, though, it's also important to talk about special teams. Oh, yeah. Special teams, you. Special teams, I don't know if Illinois wins this game without Blake Hayes, without their performances, and a bit of luck with the safety. Yes, 100% luck with the safety. I don't know if you can blame that on Scott Frost, the special teams coach, or just that one player. I think you got to blame the punt returner. You have to. I I don't know how you blame Scott Frost for that. That's just... A mental mistake. Yeah, that's not on Scott Frost. And I'm pretty sure it was the drive after that where Peters went out, so, you know, probably doesn't change the game. But Blake Hayes, I mean, that's the best player on Illinois' team. I mean, it's not even really close. McCord didn't have to do much. He made it four extra points. He missed that 55-yard. It was a 55-yard field. I thought it was in. I was in the student section. Um, I mean, it was good lengthwise. Yeah. It was just a little bit to the left. It was left. a little foot left or something like yeah. that. So, you know, that stuff happens. McCord, not going to blame him for that. He needs to get more consistent, by the way. Mm-hmm. But Blake Hayes, I mean, he's just he's amazing. I mean, he's unbelievable. He really he, is. He's He's got a chance to be an All-American punter, which... Oh, yeah. Is, <laughs> Could Blake Hayes be the only Illinois player to get drafted? It's <laughs> a punter. Oof. I mean, punters don't get drafted, though. Uh, That's the thing. Punter got taken about four spots ahead of Russell Wilson. Okay. Well, I mean, (laughs) I know Sebastian Janikowski got picked in the first round. There's always mistakes. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, he's great. But the one player we didn't mention on defense, though, who hopefully he comes back healthy soon, but Kevin Hart Jr. was awesome when he was Mm -hmm. playing. Obviously, I think it was the third quarter that he went down. He had the big scoop and score shout-out to Keith Randolph for – punching that out and then hard for picking it up. But even beyond that, he had six total tackles, I think, two of them were alone, and a tackle and a half for loss. And a sack. Yeah. He's really good. He's a very good pickup. He, the transfer guy, right? Mm -hmm. I remember when we were watching the spring game, Kelvin Hart Jr. like got into, he like, he got a personal foul for like taunting or some, or unnecessary roughness in the spring game. And I was really worried about him. And I saw he like went to the sideline and 
Bielma screaming at him for like 10 minutes. So clearly he learned a lesson. But I hope that he comes back okay. Same with uh, Peters. I thought at first they were both going to be longer-term injuries, but it sounds like Peters will miss one game. Hart, we don't really know yet. Probably yeah. about the same. But you, you've got to think if everyone is back for Virginia – my my prediction before the year was two and ten. Hopefully now it's three and nine. Could this team make a bowl game? Probably not. <laughs> but like four and eight, five and seven, that's not out of the question. Yeah, no, it's not because you think about it. Obviously, we'll get to UTSA. If you take care of your non-conference besides your Virginia, UTSA and Charlotte. Hopefully that'd be three, and then you got to pick one of Virginia, Purdue, Maryland, Rutgers. You can throw Northwestern in there. I wouldn't throw North, Northwestern, but... They're not as experienced as uh, as Iowa is. But still, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a home game, Northwestern. Yeah, Memphis but it's... Memphis has dominated us, but... It's been, what, like six, seven years? Seven years. Uh, it's... Yeah, uh, eight years, actually. I think, it's been, I think it was 2013. It was the bull year. Yeah, I mean, Maryland, definitely possible. Yes. Rutgers, definitely possible. Purdue's possible, too. Purdue, possible, but, like... Games like Penn State, Wisconsin, no, no. Iowa, Northwestern, I'd put in that category. I, I don't Maybe feel... Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota as well, even though they've gone through some of their key pieces on offense. Like, I don't feel that great about it. What do you uh, What do you think about Virginia? It's a game on the road in Charlottesville. If we're going off of last year, like, Illinois has no shot because Virginia was great a season ago. Yeah. But... I mean, I, I I don't really want to say much because you don't know, but it's possible. It's possible. It's just I, I need to see Virginia actually play this year because year to year they've – I mean, last year might have just been an aberration. They're – listen, this is what I'll say. They're a very well-coached team. They went four and five last year. Sorry, I meant two years ago. Was, I was thinking two years ago. But last year was still like a solid year. Yeah, they went four and five in their conference. They won their out-of-conference game, whoop-de-doo, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just very well coached. They always have a good offense. I mean, they beat North Carolina last year, 44-41. And, yes, North Carolina had a very, very bad Big 12-S defense. But that's, that's the type of game I see Illinois, if they gr- like grind it out, maybe a little bit of surprise for Virginia. It's mm-hmm. a very early game. That probably goes in Illinois' favor. Yeah. Um, it could happen. But more importantly, we will look to next week because, as James Franklin always says, one no one no one no focus on the next game. And that is against UTSA. It's University of Texas San Antonio. It's going to be a night game this coming Saturday at 6.30 p.m. And you think about it, they're on uh, – one double A FCS whatever team they're not Power Five. Uh, you probably haven't heard of UTSA. Sounds like an easy win for Illinois, but and after doing a little bit of research, I think it's just the opposite. So I know you're not very confident. No, I would tend to lean towards an Illinois win just because I think certain parts, like talent wise, should just stand up. Offensive line, defensive line play. I know you're concerned, though, about how Illinois stops UTSA's running back. Yeah, so his name is Sincere McCormick. He is a, I believe he's a junior this year because he was a second-team All-American running back last year. Mm-hmm. I would be a lot more concerned against a star wide receiver, say like uh, Rashad Bateman type, yeah. who left Minnesota, or like a Rondale Moore. Mm-hmm. So considering Illinois has been able, even last year, honestly, under Lovey, to shut down the run a little bit, that is good. You look at a guy like Mo Ibrahim last year from Minnesota, ran all over Illinois, and yes, a lot of guys were hurt, a lot of guys were out with COVID. 
That was also just a bad game. That was that was. Bateman had a great game. I mean, it was a really good Minnesota offense. Yeah, and that's if if you see where I'm getting at here, that's kind of my comparison for uh, for this type of team. So UTSA was seven and five last year, but again, as as a non-power five team, that isn't great. I just hope that Illinois doesn't get too comfortable because they are returning ten of their twelve starters on defense. Their head coach. His name's Jeff Trailer. He hasn't been around for a ton of time, but he's done well with what he's had. He's improved most years. So I'm more worried about Illinois taking it for granted, and I just think they're playing a very tough, hard-knit UTSA team. So I'm not too concerned, though, about the passing game because... Frank Harris hasn't done anything. He hasn't done much. I mean, his stats are very mediocre if you look at it, and with subpar competition, I'm not too worried about it. I think this is kind of a game, though, where turnovers might play a big role. Yeah. Where if UTSA gets maybe two early picks, gets like a 14-3 lead, something like that, and with Art Satowski being forced to drop back, that's where I get concerned. I think if Illinois establishes the run, if they do what they did against Nebraska, kind of slow the game down, I would tend to favor Illinois in that matchup. Yeah, and you know, the, the line is six and a half, and that's why I know that I'm not alone in thinking that this mm-hmm. should be a good game. I know a couple of other buddies that cover the team think so too. Um, you mentioned Art Sikowski. He didn't throw one last game. He kind of did. He kind of did. But mm-hmm. he's an interception guy. Yeah. He's probably going to throw interceptions eventually. Like I said, this UTSA team is returning 10 to 12 guys on defense from a solid defensive team last year. If they put pressure on Art, get his foot get his footwork messed up, which is when he's bad. Like you said, two early interceptions for them. If Sincere McCormick goes off early, Illinois is going to have to come back from a deficit. And they came back from a 9-2 to deficit last week, but I'm just not, just not super, super confident. Not as confident as I'd like to be. That's fair. Um, I, I do still feel relatively confident. As long as we don't have, as you said, one of those terrible Satowski games where he's just giving up the ball left and right, and if there's like maybe a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown that comes into play. Because I just think, talent-wise, you should be able to win this game. I I don't know, though, what happens when you fall behind because Bielma and his style of offense and how Illinois has historically been coming back from leads, I mean... Other than the Michigan State game a couple of years ago, this is a team that kind of wilts under pressure. Yeah. And there could be some some fear if UTSA gets off to an early lead. I agree. I think that it is going to help Illinois that Frank Harris hasn't given us any reason to believe he is a dual threat the way Martinez is. Yeah. Which is good. So let's think about this. If their O-line struggles a little bit. Now, Illinois, the one advantage they might Although have. Although Frank Harris did soon. run for 500 yards. Last year, Frank Harris did run for 500 yards last year. That's true, but one breakaway in one game can kind of change that. But you're right. He mm-hmm. he. I don't. I hope he's not on Adrian Martinez's level. Yeah. We'll see. I haven't done a ton of research on him, but if they make an adjustment from what they did on Martinez and guys like Isaiah Gay, Owen Carney, Seth Coleman can once again get a good amount of pressure on Frank Harris, possibly turn you know make him turn it over, and then if Jake Hansen does a little bit better of like a QB spy, mm-hmm. and we just shut him down. That's the way you know UTSA doesn't score at all because then they try and run the ball too much. And as good as Sincere McCormick is, if they're if they don't have the best offensive line in their conference, and you know Illinois tries to sell out on the run, that could be good. So are you thinking maybe 
Illinois' game plan going in should be try to make this a one-dimensional game yes. where they're over-reliant on running the ball. Well, I don't even know about over-reliant on running the ball. I think that at first they should sell out on running the ball and just try, and then after that, after like, okay, we do have to pass, just make Frank Harris uncomfortable. Because when you're QB, like we said, he is a redshirt senior, so he's been gone a while, but like you said, his stats are mediocre. He's, he, I'm pretty sure he had a big arm injury two years ago. So if he does, if he's had one year of play, like, make the guy uncomfortable. When your quarterback isn't confident, that's when a team explodes. Yeah, and looking at their receiving core, they have one guy that's okay, but no one broke 700 yards last year. So I don't know if you're even worried too much about some of the secondary concerns that we had going into the Nebraska game. Yeah. I'm trying to look here if uh, you know if Frank Harris really is more of a running quarterback than he is. Yeah, you know, 12. It's weird because you look, yeah. look through his game logs, too. They're important because there are certain games where it's like he had six carries, I think, against North Texas for 113 yards. Yeah. But he's had games where he runs for double-digit – he has double-digit carries with less than 10 yards. But also it's – that's not the best stat because in college football, if you pay attention, sacks count as rush. So it, it is kind of hard to tell. I, I haven't watched his game film, so yeah. I can't – give you that advice but 500 what 590 yards rushing i mean that's worth noting it definitely is worth noting now that i'm looking at it the reason i say the main team that they were a good team last year is they were seven and four in the regular season they did lose their bowl game but that was to louisiana who ended up ranked 19th and was undefeated for forever to start the season and in that game he had 18 carries for 91 yards so yeah maybe he is Mm -hmm. Maybe he is a rushing quarterback. I, I saw the career rushing yards, and now I'm just looking at last season. So if he's best on the ground, fine. Adrian Martinez is the best person to prep you for that. It's also worth noting that they did play BYU, True. who notably had Zach Wilson, the number two pick in the draft. Very, very good quarterback. They lost, but it was a seven-point game. So yeah. two games, you lose by an average margin of seven to top 20 teams in the country. Those are good signs. But it's the next year. You're right, but it's the next year. It's week one. Who knows? It's I mean, Adrian Martinez is always terrible week one, improves later. Northwestern can be terrible week one, improves mm-hmm. later, which is kind of what they do. Um, it's just so hard to make a prediction for this game. We could see Illinois lose by a couple touchdowns. We could see a grinder game. Or honestly, maybe I'm underestimating Illinois. Maybe Nebraska is better we think, and Illinois could come out. Like I said, I alluded to it earlier. A night game is always better for the home team, in my opinion. It's going to be at 630 the student section sold out last game. I don't see a reason it can't get close to that again. Mm-hmm. The energy's there. Maybe Illinois could blow them out. I, it's, it's so hard to make a prediction with this team because we just don't know a ton about them yet. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska's still, though, I, I, I still don't think they're good. No, me neither. So. Like, I think Rutgers is better than Nebraska. I feel like they're about in that range. I don't know which is better, but they're like. I think Greg Schiano's a better coach than Scott Frost. Oh, see, that's an interesting thing to debate because it's like Scott Frost, UCF. He was the guy. He was tremendous there, but then he goes to Nebraska. I think it's all based on, like, situation, though. Yeah, true. Are we doing predictions? Yeah, let's do some predictions before we wrap this thing up. You can go first. All right. I think this is going to be a grinded-out, slow game. I think Illinois relies on James McCourt. I think it's going to be a close game. 
I got 19-14 Illinois. All right. Um, I look, Like I said, this game could go in any direction. Could they come and blow UTSA out of left field? They could. Could they lose by a couple touchdowns and make it like a, an Eastern Michigan game from a mm-hmm. couple games ago? I think, I think neither team is going to struggle to score points. I will okay. say that. Um, just looking at their scores from last year, that they gave up at least 20 points to mediocre teams. So, yes, they're returning guys, but Illinois has a fine offense. But with that being said, I think I will make the final score 26-23, and okay. I'll, I'll give it to Illinois. Okay. Yeah, I will take Illinois. I'm a little surprised because, Josh, you seem a little bit pessimistic I'm going just, into this matchup. I'm just so worried. I think that, you know, in past years I would have been like Illinois by 100, no question. Yeah. But now that I've covered the team and I know a little bit more, I'm just so skeptical and I don't want to get let down. But with that being said, Illinois is favored by 6.5, so to choose them not to cover is one thing. But 26-23, like you said, maybe, who knows, maybe McCourt will have a buzzer beater again and take us home. Would it be a great win if we won by three? No, yeah. but it wins a win, so... Yeah, and with, I mean, this year you don't expect them to win a lot of games. I don't expect them to win a lot of games. It's it's weird because Illinois has proven in the past that they will lose to inferior competition. Do you know the last time Illinois went undefeated in in a non-conference play? Let's see. I would guess it was like maybe the Ron Zook era. I think it was 2011. Okay. I'm not 100% sure about that, but it was the Ronzo era. Okay. That's, That's a lot. lot for a Big Ten team. It is, especially since it's not like they've played great competition every year. I mean, they've had, like, I'm looking at some of their old, old seasons. Uh, 2018, Southern Florida, Western Illinois, Kent State. They couldn't do it that year. 2019. Akron, Connecticut, Eastern Michigan. Lost like, Eastern Michigan. Like that's bad. I that's mean, you should good. you should be able to beat those three teams yeah, pretty handily. Twenty seventeen, if you go back, they lost to Southern Florida in non conference. Yeah, it's been a rough go being an Illinois football fan. So I was right. In twenty eleven, they went undefeated in their non conference. They beat Arkansas State. They beat South Dakota State. They beat Arizona State. And they beat Western Michigan. And now it is worth. That's the year Illinois. Uh, went 6 and 0 then lost 6 straight uh, and then they yeah. beat UCLA another non-conference team mm-hmm. in their uh, in their bowl game. So yes, it has been since 2011. Can Illinois do it this year? That was Nathan Shieldhouse, right? His it was last Nathan year. Shieldhouse. I love that guy. I love Nathan fun to watch. Yeah. Um yeah. I yeah, I'll say Illinois is going to win. I'll go actually I'm going to change it. I'll go 31 to 27. 31-27. Okay. 31-27. It'd be so, nice if they could put up at least an extra point one more point than they did uh, against Nebraska this past week. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the offense really explode. I mean, if the defense struggles, I'm not going to be too upset because I don't have great hopes for this defense. I don't really have high hopes for the offense in general either, but like, mm-hmm. what is college football without great offenses? Exactly. And we'll see. You know, Big Ten will have known a little bit more for their defense, but hey, who cares? It's a new team. It's a new era for Illinois football. Again, it's only been one game. They could show us completely different schemes on offense and defense. You know, Ryan Walters will do whatever he wants. We saw like four different schemes last week on defense. And then 
We're probably going to get Sikowski, who knows, with a healthy Chase Brown and a little bit more active, maybe, like you said, maybe Casey Washington will get more active, maybe Barker will catch the ball, maybe Williams will get even more receptions. Maybe some game. Wildcat quarterback with Isaiah Williams? That'd be nice, wouldn't maybe? it? Maybe. They brought, I want to touch on this, by the way, before we wrap it up. Isaiah went to the Wildcat last game, and I thought if they bring him back there, it's because, oh, the defense thinks he's going to run, he has to throw the ball, yeah. but he ran the ball, nothing happened. Yeah. I thought Peterson would be better than that as an OC. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, you. this has happened in the past with other teams. Like Florida, when they had Trask, they had Matt Jones also. But they only used him to run the ball. And it's yeah. like, you got these guys that are capable of making a throw. Bring it out a couple times. I agree. Totally agree. All right, so we both think Illinois is going to find a way to win on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I hope I'm. last week I was wrong. I've never been more happy to be wrong. I would hate to be wrong this week. Yeah. All right, Nathan, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.